Section 138 of Complete Original Short Stories of Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tatiana Chichilla, Columbus, Ohio. Section 138. St. Anthony. They called him St. Anthony because his name was Anthony, and also, perhaps, because he was a good fellow, jovial, a lover of practical jokes, a tremendous eater and a heavy drinker, and a gay fellow, although he was sixty years old. He was a big peasant of the district of Co with a red face, large chest and stomach, and perched on two legs that seemed too slight for the bulk of his body. He was a widower and lived alone with his two men servants and a maid on his farm, which he conducted with shrewd economy. He was careful of his own interests, understood business and the raising of cattle, and farming. His two sons and his three daughters, who had married well, were living in the neighborhood, and came to dine with their father once a month. His vigor of body was famous in all the countryside. He was as strong as St. Anthony had become a kind of proverb. At the time of the Prussian invasion, St. Anthony, at the wine shop, promised to eat an army, for he was a braggart, like a true Norman, a bit of a coward and a blusterer. He banged his fist on the wooden table, making the cups and the brandy glasses dance, and cried with the assumed wrath of a good fellow, with a flushed face and a sly look in his eye, I shall have to eat some of them, nom de Dieu. He reckoned that the Prussians would not come as far as Tanville, but when he heard they were at Roteau, he never went out of the house and constantly watched the door from the little window of his kitchen, expecting at any moment to see the bayonets go by. One morning, as he was eating his luncheon with the servants, the door opened, and the mayor of the community, Maître Chicot, appeared, followed by a soldier wearing a black copper-pointed helmet. St. Anthony bounded to his feet, and his servants all looked at him, expecting to see him slash the Prussian. But he merely shook hands with the mayor, who said, "'Here is one for you, St. Anthony. They came last night.' Don't do anything foolish, above all things, for they talked of shooting and burning everything if there is the slightest unpleasantness. I have given you warning. Give him something to eat, he looks like a good fellow. Good day. I am going to call on the rest. There are enough for all. And he went out. St. Anthony, who had turned pale, looked at the Prussian. He was a big, young fellow with plump white skin, blue eyes, fair hair, unshaven to his cheekbones, who looked stupid, timid, and good. The shrewd Norman read him at once, and, reassured, he made him a sign to sit down. Then he said, "'Will you take some soup?' The stranger did not understand. Anthony then became bolder, and pushing a plateful of soup right under his nose, he said, "'Here, swallow that, big pig.' The soldier answered, "'Yah!' and began to eat greedily, while the farmer, triumphant, feeling he had regained his reputation, winked his eye at the servants, who were making strange grimaces, what with their terror and their desire to laugh. When the Prussian had devoured his soup, St. Anthony gave him another plateful, which disappeared in like manner, but he flinched at the third which the farmer tried to insist on his eating, saying, "'Come, put that into your stomach. T'will fatten you, or it is your own fault, eh, pig?' The soldier, understanding only that they wanted to make him eat all his soup, laughed in a contented manner, making a sign to show that he could not hold any more. Then St. Anthony became quite familiar, tapped him on the stomach, saying, "'My, there's plenty in my pig's belly!' But suddenly he began to writhe with laughter, unable to speak. An idea had struck him which made him choke with mirth. "'That's it, that's it. St. Anthony and his pig. There's my pig!' And the three servants burst out laughing in their turn. The old fellow was so pleased that he had the brandy brought in. Good stuff. Filon dis, and treated everyone. They clinked glasses with the Prussian, who clacked his tongue by way of flattery to show that he enjoyed it. And St. Anthony exclaimed in his face, "'Eh, is not that super fine? You don't get anything like that in your home, pig!' From that time, Father Anthony never went out without his Prussian. He had got what he wanted." This was his vengeance, the vengeance of an old rogue, and the whole countryside, which was in terror, laughed to split its sides at St. Anthony's joke. Truly, there was no one like him when it came to humor. 
No one but he would have thought of a thing like that. He was a born joker. He went to see his neighbors every day, arm in arm with his German, whom he introduced in a jovial manner, tapping him on the shoulder. See, here is my pig. Look and see if he is not growing fat, the animal. And the peasants would beam with smiles. He is so comical, that reckless fellow Antoine. I will sell him to you, Césaire, for three pistoles, thirty francs. I will take him, Antoine, and I invite you to eat some black pudding. What I want is his feet. Feel his belly, you will see that it is all fat. And they all winked at each other, but dared not laugh too loud, for fear the Prussian might finally suspect they were laughing at him. Anthony, alone growing bolder every day, pinched his thighs, exclaiming, Nothing but fat, tapped on on his back, shouting, That is all bacon, lifted him up in his arms as an old colossus that could have lifted an anvil, declaring, He weighs six hundred and no waste. He had gotten to the habit of making people offer his pig something to eat wherever they went together. This was the chief pleasure, the great diversion every day. Give him whatever you please, he will swallow everything. And they offered the man bread and butter, potatoes, cold meat, chitterlings, which caused the remark, some of your own, and choice ones. The soldier, stupid and gentle, ate from politeness, charmed at these attentions, making himself ill rather than refuse, and he was actually growing fat, and his uniform became too tight for him. This delighted St. Anthony, who said, You know, my pig, that we shall have to have another cage made for you. They had, however, become the best friends in the world, and when the old fellow went to attend his business in the neighborhood, the Prussian accompanied him for the simple pleasure of being with him. The weather was severe. It was freezing hard. The terrible winter of 1870 seemed to bring all the scourges on France at one time. St. Anthony, who made provision beforehand and took advantage of every opportunity, foreseeing that manure would be scarce for the spring farming, bought it from a neighbor, a cart, which happened to be in need of all the money that he had, and it was agreed that he should go every evening with his cart to get a load. So every day at twilight he set out for the farm of Hull, half a league distant, always accompanied by his pig, and each time it was a festival feeding the animal. All the neighbors ran over there as they would go to high mass on Sunday. But the soldier began to suspect something, be mistrustful, and when they laughed too loud he would roll his eyes uneasily, and sometimes they lighted up with anger. One evening when he had eaten his fill he refused to swallow another morsel and attempted to rise to leave the table, but St. Anthony stopped him by a turn of the wrist, and, placing his two powerful hands on his shoulders, he sat him down again so roughly that the chair smashed under him. A wild burst of laughter broke forth, and Anthony, beaming, picked up his pig, acted as though he were dressing his wounds, and exclaimed, "'Since you will not eat, you shall drink, nom de Dieu!' and they went to the wine shop to get some brandy. The soldier rolled his eyes, which had a wicked expression, but he drank nevertheless. He drank as long as they wanted him, and St. Anthony held his head to the great delight of his companions." The Norman, red as a tomato, his eyes ablaze, filled up the glasses and clinked, saying, "'Here's to you!' And the Prussian, without speaking a word, poured down one after another glassfuls of cognac. It was a contest, a battle, a revenge. Who would drink the most? Nom don nom! They could neither of them stand any more when the leader was emptied, but neither was conquered. They were tied, that was all. They would have to begin again the next day. They went out staggering and started for home, walking beside the dung cart which was drawn along slowly by two horses.' Snow began to fall, and the moonless night was sadly lighted by this dead whiteness on the plain. The men began to feel the cold, and this aggravated their intoxication. St. Anthony, annoyed at not being the victor, amused himself by shoving his companion so as to make him fall over into the ditch. The other would dodge backwards, and each time he did he uttered some German expression in an angry tone, which made the peasant roar with laughter. Finally the Prussian lost his temper, and just as Anthony was rolling towards him he responded with such a terrific blow with his fist that the colossus staggered. Then, excited by the brandy, the old man seized the pugilist round the waist, 
shook him for a few moments as he would have done with a child, and pitched him at random to the other side of the road. Then, satisfied with this piece of work, he crossed his arms and began to laugh afresh. But the soldier picked himself up in a hurry, his head bare, his helmet having rolled off, and drawing his sword he rushed over to St. Anthony. When he saw him coming, the peasant seized his whip by the top of the handle, his big Hollywood whip, straight, strong, and supple as the sinew of an ox. The Prussian approached, his head down, making a lunge with his sword, sure of killing his adversary. But the old fellow, squarely hitting the blade, the point of which would have pierced his stomach, turned it aside, and with the butt end of the whip struck the soldier a sharp blow on the temple, and he fell to the ground. Then he gazed aghast, stupefied with amazement, at the body, twitching convulsively at first, and then lying prone and motionless. He bent over it, turned it on its back, and gazed at it for some time. The man's eyes were closed, and blood trickled from a wound at the side of his forehead. Although it was dark, St. Anthony could distinguish the blood stain on the white snow. He remained there at his wit's end while his cart continued slowly on its way. What was he to do? He would be shot. They would burn his farm, ruin his district. What should he do? What should he do? How could he hide the body, conceal the fact of the death, deceive the Prussians? He heard voices in the distance, amid the utter stillness of the snow. All at once he roused himself, and picking up the helmet, he placed it on his victim's head. Then, seizing him round the body, he lifted himself up in his arms, and thus running with him, he overtook his team, and threw the body on top of the manure. Once in his own house, he would think up some plan. He walked slowly, racking his brain, but without result. He saw, he felt, that he was lost. He entered his courtyard. A light was shining in one of the attic windows. His maid was not asleep. He hastily backed his wagon to the edge of the manure hollow. He thought that by overturning the manure, the body lying on top of it would fall into the ditch and be buried beneath it, and he dumped the cart. As he had foreseen, the man was buried beneath the manure. Anthony evened it down with his fork, which he stuck in the ground beside it. He called his stableman, told him to put up the horses, and went to his room. He went to bed, still thinking of what he had best do, but no ideas came to him. His apprehension increased in the quiet of his room. They would shoot him. He was bathed in perspiration from fear. His teeth chattered. He rose shivering, not being able to stay in bed. He went downstairs to the kitchen, took the bottle of brandy from the sideboard, and carried it upstairs. He drank two large glasses, one after the other, adding a fresh intoxication to the late one, without quieting his mental anguish. He had done a pretty stroke of work, nom de dieu, idiot! He paced up and down, trying to think of some stratagem, some explanation, some cunning trick, and from time to time he rinsed his mouth with a swallow of filandise to give him courage. But no ideas came to him, not one. Towards midnight, his watchdog, a kind of cross wolf called Devorant, began to howl frantically. St. Anthony shuddered to the marrow of his bones, and each time the beast began his long and lugubrious wail, the old man's skin turned to goose flesh. He had sunk into a chair, his legs weak, stupefied, done up, waiting anxiously for Deverant to set up another howl, and starting convulsively from nervousness caused by terror. The clock downstairs struck five. The dog was still howling. The peasant was almost insane. He rose to go and let the dog loose so that he should not hear him. He went downstairs, opened the hall door, and stepped out into the darkness. The snow was still falling. The earth was all white, the farm buildings standing out like black patches. He approached the kennel. The dog was dragging at its chain. He unfastened it. Deverant gave a bound, then stopped short, his hair bristling, his legs rigid, his muzzle in the air, his nose pointed toward the manure heap. St. Anthony, trembling from head to foot, faltered. "'What's the matter with you, you dirty hound?' And he walked a few steps forward, gazing at the indistinct outlines, the somber shadow of the courtyard. Then he saw a form, the form of a man sitting on the manure heap. He gazed at it, paralyzed by fear and breathing hard. But all at once he saw, close by, the handle of the manure fork, which was sticking in the ground. 
he snatched it up and in one of those transports of fear that will make the greatest coward brave he rushed forward to see what it was it was he his prussian come to life covered with filth from his bed of manure which had kept him warm he had sat down mechanically and remained there in the snow which sprinkled down all covered with dirt and blood as he was and still stupid from drinking dazed by the blow and exhausted from his wound he perceived anthony and too sodden to understand anything he made an attempt to rise but at the moment the old man recognized him he foamed with rage like a wild animal ah pig pig he sputtered you are not dead you are going to denounce me now wait wait and rushing on the german with all the strength of his arms he flung the raised fork like a lance and buried the four prongs full length in his breast the soldier fell over on his back uttering a long death moan while the old peasant drawing the fork out of his breast plunged it over and over again into his abdomen his stomach his throat like a madman piercing the body from head to foot as it still quivered and the blood gushed out in streams finally he stopped exhausted by his arduous work swallowing great mouthfuls of air calmed down at the completion of a murder as the cocks were beginning to crow in the poultry yard and it was near daybreak he set to work to bury the man he dug a hole in the manure till he reached the earth dug down further working wildly in a frenzy of strength with frantic motions of his arms and body when the pit was deep enough he rolled the corpse into it with the fork covered it with earth which he stamped down for some time and then put back the manure and he smiled as he saw the thick snow finishing his work and covering up its traces with a white sheet he then stuck the fork in the manure and went into the house his bottle still half full of brandy stood on the table he emptied it at a draught threw himself in his bed and slept heavily he woke up sober his mind calm and clear capable of judgment and thought at the end of an hour he was going about the country making inquiries everywhere for his soldier he went to see a prussian officer to find out why they had taken away his man as everyone knew what great friends they were no one suspected him he even directed the research declaring that the prussian went to see the girls every evening an old retired gendarme who had an inn in the next village and a pretty daughter was arrested and shot end of section 138 recording by tatiana chichilla columbus ohio